Amen. We're going to be in a few places today as we prepare for the Lord's Supper and taking that together. A couple things I want you to know. If you have your bulletin, you can open it with me. It'll tell you where we're going to that center section as we continue to try to do what Scripture says, which is hide God's Word in His heart. This actually will set the tone for where we're going and what we're talking about today. At the bottom of the part in the middle where the notes are, it says August Bible Verse. So if you'll open your bulletin with me, if you don't have it on your bulletin, it may be in the chair next to you in, your, in that bookmark that that Romans chapter 12 verse 1. If you grab that, let's read that and let's say that together. The Bible says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Church, every time we get together, that's one of our banners. It's something that, that defines us when we are here. It defines us when we are out. That we are presenting ourselves to God. He, is, he did not come to grovel for more patrons to join his kingdom. But he is calling you and I to present ourselves as a sacrifice living. And it's our act of worship. We'll be talking about that today. As we prepare for our Lord's Supper, I want to ask you a question. I was reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 7 were part of this week's reading for us. And some words stood out to me. And it pointed me all the way back to the book of, of 1 Samuel as we looked at the life of David in Scripture. And so let me ask you a, a question. Have you ever gotten into the car and when you turn the car on, the radio was so loud. Has that ever happened to you? Happens to my wife all the time when she gets into my car. And, and the first words out of her mouth is, no wonder you can't hear anything. Isn't that true? Now let me ask you, this is a moment of, of, of genuine confession. I need to make sure that I'm not alone in this world who in here may or may not listen to your radio when the windows are down and that causes you to turn the volume up? Anyone? Good. Well, I'm glad the eight of you who are honest can, can relate with me today. Let me tell you about what happens. When you have the windows down, we only get to do that like two months out of the year in Texas because it's a heat wave otherwise, I guess. But when you have the windows down, and for me, it's my front window and the back windows because I've learned a lesson with the side window on this story so I keep those windows down. The movement of the wind when it's going down the street, what does it do? It's loud. So what do you do to compensate for the movement of air around you? You turn up the volume. Now the problem is, when does the movement stop? When you stop, which is normally in the garage or at a light. You see... When, when the movement is going, man, I, I crank it up. I get consumed with the music. When the movement stops, it's amazing how once was beautiful and filling can become grating. Something we want to push away from us with. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you're like me, the reason you might want to know this, the reason I keep my passenger window up is because I'm not aware of what's going on when the music is loud. So I start to sing and I'm, I listen to worship music and I'm singing a lot of songs we do. And I'll get to a light and one day I had a church member honk and go. <laughs> oh, hi, roll up the window. So now that one's up all the time. 
But when the movement stops, what was once loud and fueling can start, hmm, it didn't change what we surround ourselves with. And so all of a sudden it starts to grind on us a little bit. I just want you to know, as we get ready for the Lord's Supper, the word of the Lord, when his movement is surrounding you, it can't get too loud because it's so sweet. But when we stop and we step out of the Lord's movement and we get caught up in what's going on in our moment and what we want, it's amazing how the word of the Lord all of a sudden starts to be grinding. It starts to be something I don't want to pay attention to. My prayer closet starts to be something I don't want to kneel down in. The word starts to be something that's hard to open to. Why? Because it screams of the glory of the almighty God and his grace and his beauty. And when we have intentionally as believers stepped out of that... It's just loud reminder of what we have stopped being a part of. Isn't that amazing? You see, I'm not telling you you need to drive down the road with your windows down on the radio. I'm pretty sure I will need a hearing aid later on in life because of it. But I'm telling you this, that today what we're going to look at as we prepare the Lord's Supper is our need to stay in the center of the river, so to speak, the center of God's movement around us so that his word does what it is best for, feeding his children to life to the fullest. Because when it's not, it does what it also came to do was to show the separation between man, an unrighteous man, and a perfect almighty God. Now, as I was reading in 1 Corinthians this week, and I want to read for you the verses that caught my attention as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, and let's start in verse 19 because those are the best. It kind of sets up the rest. Verse 19 says this, uh, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you, ha whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, if you go down to chapter 7 and you look in verse 23, you'll see something very similar written. Look at this in verse 23. It says, you were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, whatever condition you were called, remain with the call. You were bought with a price. And that really started to stir me as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. You see, because if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's about sexual immorality. It's about fleeing immorality. And God talks about all of these desires, these sinful desires that are in the heart of broken men. And he ends it with, do you not know you are not your own? You were bought with a price. And, and it brought my attention to Samuel. In Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 24, we get this picture of David. And we get what we could be a very confusing story without letting God allow the whole scripture show to us. And, and let me read to you this story. David is king. This is towards the end of 2 Samuel. Part of his good things are going on. In second, verse 20, chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 24, verse 1 says this. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he incited David against them. This is very interesting. 
saying, Go, number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, the number of people that I may know the number of people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord king delight in such a thing? You see, David had something that Scripture points all the way through so that you know it's not just an Old Testament thing or just a New Testament thing. See, the Lord's anger was burning against the people, so he told David to do do this census. And, And this census, as we will read, turned out to be the reason for God's great discipline on his people. So David told, the Lord told David, go and take this census. And when he started to command his commander to do that, he said, something is wrong here. This isn't good You are delighting in knowing how many people the Lord has added under your authority and under your kingship. King, may it never be. This is not a good thing that your heart is delighting in doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the whole thing. Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, flee these things that your heart is finding delight in doing. To this young church, people who are just being exposed to Christ. Flee these desires in your heart that are pushing you towards immorality. Flee them. Do you not know you were bought with a price? Joab is saying to David, do you not know that the Lord your God is over all of it? That, That these desires, what you're finding delight in, don't bring him glory. They feed your wants. You see, there's something you need to know from the life of David and In Joab's conversation and in 1 Corinthians, this true today is that Christians, your freedom can be a trap, can't it? The freedom that we have in Christ can be a trap. Because we can start to say, well, I belong to the Lord. Therefore, everything on my heart must be okay with God in the end. Church, Joab's counsel to David, Paul's counsel to us. Is that your freedom was not given to you so that you could stay toying with sin. Playing with the vile leftovers of of the gross brokenness that Jesus died for. Your freedom isn't to engage the desires of your heart. It's to live for the one who gave you real life. You were bought with the price. Why would Jesus, why would God have given his son Jesus to pay such a high price for you? Only to let you be your own master. That's not what it means when scripture says, confess him as Lord and Savior. That's not what scripture means when it says, for the wages of sin of death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Through the avenue of Christ, the Messiah, Savior, Jesus, our Lord, Master, through whom we joyfully are obedient to. Jesus told someone else, go do what's on your heart. His name was Judas. Remember, he was ready to betray him. 
do what's on your heart. It wasn't Jesus commanding him to sin. It was Jesus saying what Romans, when we read it last said, said, listen, I will give you over. If, if you don't desire me, I will give you over to that. I will, I will let you have where your sin leads you. Salvation will not be found there. Only my discipline, only my, only my division. Church, freedom can be a, a trap, but not because God designed it that way, because sin distorts it. God frees us in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we have been bought with a price, and we are not our own. The Holy Spirit fills us. So today, as we take the Lord's Supper, I want you to, to know that God paid a high price for you to live in freedom with him from your sin, not freedom for you to embrace a different type of sin. The Bible goes further in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And if you were to swing back there, we're going to jump around this morning as we get ready for the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says it this way. In, in verse 7 all the way through the end, it talks about marriage. In verse 17, he starts talking about living in the way God called you. In other words, you don't have to. You don't have to change a situation to be holy. In other words, single isn't more holy than married. Married's not more holy than single. In other words, it, it's not about not saying God, God called you in your sin so you can stay in sin. No, he's freed you from sin. But what he's saying is you don't have to, to put on a show for the rest of the world in order to please God. He says, listen, in verse 23, you were bought with a price. So don't be bond servants to what other people tell you. Be brothers in whatever condition you were called. Let him be. You were bought with the price. If someone buys you with the price, he doesn't do that to make you a bond servant to someone else. Who, who is your Lord? The one who bought you. Paul over and over says, I am a bond servant. I am bound to Christ Jesus. Repent of the desires of your heart. You are bought with the price. And then do not try to live pleasing God, pleasing men, but please God. That's what Peter says in the disciples when they're, when they're first, first arrested in Acts. If it becomes between pleasing God and man, we will please God. Scripture shows us that repentance, when we realize we flee sexual immorality, that repentance is not simply letting go. It's a call to embrace you see, the call to repent and to believe is to leave behind and hold on to. It doesn't just mean drop it and walk the other way. It means drop it and walk towards, hand in hand with the God who set a, a path for you, a direction for you. So many times we just repent, but we don't repent and believe. That's the call of Scripture. Listen to what happened to David as he models this just a little bit. In chapter 24, 2 Samuel Verse 4, but the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the, to the, of the king, excuse me, of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Aurora 
from the city that is in the middle of the valley towards the Gad and on to Jazer. They came to Gilead, to Kadesh, in the land of the Hittites. They came to Dan. From Dan they went to Sidon, and from, from there to the fortress of Tyre, and all the cities of the Hivites and the Canaanites. And the, they went out to the Negev and to Judah and to Beersheba, verse 8. And when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem. At the end of nine months and 20 days, Joab came and gave the sum of the number to the king. Israel was 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and of the men of Judah, 500,000. Verse 10, but the Lord, but David's heart was struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But Lord, now, O Lord, please take away the inequity of your servant, for I have done foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to him, the prophet Gad. And David, David see her saying, go and say to David, thus the Lord says, three things I offer you. Choose one of them that I may do it. So Gad came to David and told him and said, shall three years of famine come on your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what, I, what answer I will return to him who sent me. And David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hands of men. You see, David in his sin found himself where sin leads you. Not to freedom, but to a deep bondage. But when he saw what he had done, he repented. And where did his repentance lead? All the way back down in verse 14. I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of men. See, David knew, even in his repentance... That not only was his freedom to be lived for God and he had gotten trapped in stepping out of the movement of the Lord. But that he was a bondservant to God and therefore repentance doesn't look like wishing he wouldn't have done something. It means letting go of his sin and embracing even the discipline of an almighty God. Church, this morning, here's what I want you to know. As we get ready for the Lord's Supper, and, and we'll do something a little bit different because I want to talk to you a little bit more as the Lord's Supper is coming out. But here's what I want to ask you. What in your life, as you prepare to take the Lord's Supper, as your brother and sister in Christ, we, we know that we're not supposed to come together and take bread and the juice without being right with the Lord, without repentance being our tenor. What have you not let go of or what have you let go of but you haven't embraced the Lord maybe you've been hiding that from God maybe you've been not wanting to verbalize it because you know he knows David says this in Christ I, he knew this in the Holy Spirit we know this in Christ Corinthians says this it's better to be in the hands of God than living to try to be right with everybody else it's better. Do not compromise yourself to be at peace with the world. Do not sacrifice your freedom 
to embrace the sin that Christ freed you from. While you were in sin, Christ died for you. He, he's the one that gave you an out from your sin. What sin do you need to let go of? What heart needs to be purified? But as you get ready to take the Lord's Supper, church, beyond that, let me ask you, has your repentance been falling short because you haven't embraced the hands of the almighty God who is great in mercy? You've just been trying to stop stuff on your own. The Lord's Supper is a symbol and a reminder of what Christ did for us. He bought us with a price. The Bible says in the bread, he says he broke it. And he says, this is my body broken for your freedom. It's broken for you. Remember that when you take it. What has he freed you from that has become a trap in your life? He says, this is the cup, the juice of my blood. He says, it's the covenant, the new covenant established in me that I give to you. That allows you not to have to live as a pleaser of men. But you can live as a child, a servant of the almighty God. When you hold that cup. Have you been embracing that even the discipline of a God great in mercy is better than the false life lived. Only wishing you could stop. But hoping to prove yourself to other men. That's how we prepare. The Lord's Supper is given and this morning we take it as a reminder. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you. This morning we come to you just taking a quick look at your word that we were bought with a price. And Lord, like David, our desires in our heart can be sinful. Lord, would you make them evident to us so that we might repent and embrace you. Even in your discipline. As we take, prepare to take the Lord's Supper, God, would you get our hearts ready? Because quite honestly, God, we don't want to move without you. We don't want your word to become like a radio that's playing too loud in a parked car meant to get our attention. We want it to be so loud we can't get enough of it because your movement surrounds us. Because we are living in you and we are living in your promise. And we are living obedience to your hand. Lord, we want our words to become voluminous as a cry back out to you. So would you be honored today, Jesus? In your name, amen.